got given the opportunity to take on a new directorship at the same time as just having my daughter and also taking on an MBA. I think working through that, that's something that personally I took a lot out of in terms of learnings, how to manage different things, how to be a mum, how to work, how to professionally develop yourself at the same time, how to keep that balance and also how to kind of go, no, I need to stop at this stage and reprioritise a few things as well. So that taught me a lot about myself. So I'm proud about that more than anything else, probably. Yeah. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti, and I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, and that leads to gender inequality and the same stale, mostly male, middle-class people leading our organizations. We must change this. And I hope that many of you listening to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Thank you for listening. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. You can find out all about our work on the website and the best way to be kept in touch with things is the newsletter on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. Today's interview is with Dax Grant. She's been a COO, CIO, you name it. She is one of 100 Women to Watch, a Forbes Technology Council member, a 100 Powerless keynote speaker, entrepreneur, non-executive director, and so on. And the reason why I interviewed her is she has really practical experience of managing change in organizations on a global scale, all that whilst looking after her children at the same time so and she really has a lot of thinking to share around finding your purpose i hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did hi i'm dax grant i'm currently ceo of an organization called global transform so we focus on working with lots of organizations at executive board level on technology operations and enterprise opportunities and challenges so it's quite an exciting space I also have a few non-execs and advisory roles and the other side of my life is that I'm a mum of two and yeah a very lovely family that's grown up with me kind of flourishing in in their own way so um, yeah lots to talk about. Fantastic and if there was one thing that you used to believe about combining an ambitious career with young children that you don't believe anymore what would it be? If you'd asked me maybe before children, then I would probably say maybe I thought there's one way to success. But having gone through, you know, my own life journey and and still continuing and seeing other people as well, I don't think there's any one single answer, really. So lots of different paths to make life right, really. Yeah. And we should say that you have a very high flying career across different organisations. This is not recorded on video, but... Even just looking at you, I can see all the certificate behind you. I think Cambridge, I think there's an Ivy League from the US there from memory and so on. Can you share with us what professional success, if any, you're most proud of? Oh, gosh. I don't know if it's a professional success. I think I was very proud of, you know, I've delivered lots of things in lots of different positions and accolades and, and things primarily because the teams I work with are fantastic and, and pull together to deliver global results and bottom line results and staff satisfaction and things like that but I think my most proudest 
thing would be when I got given the opportunity to take on a new directorship at the same time as just having my daughter and also taking on an MBA. I think working through that, that's something that personally I took a lot out of in terms of learnings, how to manage different things, how to be a mum, how to work, how to professionally develop yourself at the same time, how to keep that balance and also how to kind of go, no, I need to stop at this stage and reprioritise a few things as well. So that taught me a lot about myself. So I'm proud about that more than anything else, probably. Yeah. Can I ask you where you did stop? Because you even just before we chatted, you said one of the key things that led to your success originally being coming from Bosnia without speaking English to the UK and now having held senior leadership roles in organisations like HSBC and so on. Was that really hard work and keeping going? That must have been a massive shift when you suddenly had to stop and have, I mean, I might assume things here, but for me, it definitely was like I was a workaholic, I probably still am, but I had to stop and be with my child, which I did enjoy most of the, well, not all the time, but you know, so so how was that for you? Yeah, I think for me, it all blended really. So it wasn't an either or. And, you know, what I did was kind of prioritise things at that particular time. So I wanted to spend time with everybody, but I also wanted to develop and progress. So I had to prioritise certain relationships. So I prioritised my family relationships and my very close friends. And I had to stop some of the broader activities and things that I would normally get involved with. So it was about stopping some of the things that were maybe not priority and being really clear, given the stage of life that I was in at that time, what was really key. And therefore, focusing on fewer things, fewer relationships. That was really important. I don't think I stopped anything particular, but I think I I stopped trying to speak to everyone. And so some things had to drop for couple of years and then I reignited those relationships afterwards and, and got to know how people had gone over the time that I was beavering away so for me it made me prioritize my family relationships more and spend more time with my children and therefore you have to sort of think about that versus all the people we get to meet every day so that's a very conscious choice but I also believe you have to put yourself in the situation a little bit to make those choices as well because until you're in it there is no choice to make. And we know that sponsorship and strategic networks and all those things are really important for career progression. And I'm assuming also for change management. Did you still go to the networking event? Did you still invest in some of these relationships or did you just pause that for a few years and then say, actually, it was not too bad. It wasn't the drama that you posted. I networked in a different way because I was Cranfield for a period of time. You know, I had the opportunity to meet different people through my studies and things like that. So I didn't network as much in the industry at that particular time. So I think it was a conscious redistribution of those particular things. I think sponsorship comes in different ways. I think sometimes people believe a sponsor is someone that knows you very well. It can be, but I think sponsorship comes in in different ways. And sometimes some of the people that I've just bumped into have, have changed my life as well. So there is a little bit about the definition of the type of sponsor and what that really means, actually, because that can be stereotyped a little bit as well. So it's good to be broad and open. And I say some of the best opportunities I've had have come from a complete stranger as well. Can you give an example? I'm intrigued. So I won't name which position, but for one of the positions, I just got approached on LinkedIn, decided to have the conversation, didn't know anyone in the company, several interviews later and all the rest of it. I was really interested in what the company did. And so I got involved and did some really interesting jobs there. But that was completely out of the blue um, I could have turned that conversation down 
but I wanted to explore it and the more I got into that conversation the more it got interesting and but it wasn't through anyone I knew it just was a conversation I had. Can you share with us the story of you coming to the UK as quite a young child and how if at all that impacted your career? I'm UK born and bred but my family is Bosnian so my father fought in the second world war he was a lot older than my mum and he traveled across Europe the two of them met over letter actually and had a very special relationship but my mum and dad couldn't speak a lot of English so my father was a a coal miner by trade and my mum was a shepherdess and, and really looked after the family so hence when I was a, a young child I couldn't speak any English at all so for me coming into an English school was all very much an education because I had to learn the language and get used to all of that before I could get kind of into the education system and, and the subjects and things like that so I think for me the key part of it was the heritage and the relationships and also because my, my family didn't ever have a lot it's a very generous family a huge sort of focus on their values and what the things they had to go through both in terms of the different stages in Bosnia and you know it makes you very humble when you take on any of the jobs that I have done because you realize what people actually go through and then you realize what a first world conversation is and, and what really isn't so I think it's always kept me grounded, despite some of the interesting jobs that I've had. I think it's really important to stay grounded. My background definitely keeps me down to earth, yeah. And do you think you're an expert on change management? Do you think it's shaped in some shape or form, how you approach change management or cultural change management challenges? I do believe your heritage does. I mean, you know, if you listen to someone like Oprah Winfrey, she will always talk about the generations that sat behind her in anything that she then took forward so that heritage you take that with you whether it's directly or indirectly and for me I was very fortunate in my path that I did get to sit in some very, very interesting places and still do and so the amount of responsibility that comes with that privilege is always kind of held forth with me so they always say you know as a woman as well every time you, you step forward you're stepping forward for all women not only your family and yourself so I think that's something that I carry with me in my own psyche and how I think about things as well. Let's move to change management then which is something that quite a lot of our fellows are thinking about. You've done lots of change management can you recall a moment at work that made you think differently about managing culture change? Oh gosh um, <laughs> that happens every day in some way shape or form. I think it, I think it's really interesting because a lot of organisations that were involved focus on here and now and you have to get the here and now right to keep your day job, make sure you're doing a good job and kind of get the opportunity to influence in the future. So I've been involved in a lot of digitizations and transforming organisations as well as running functions. And I think it always strikes me, not only change at an organisational level, but what happens in that change dynamic based on the culture and the maturity of the an organisation and the importance to harness the capabilities and value of people but also maybe dis redistribute what they're focused on and, and certainly a number of the financial services firms that I've worked on redistributing where the energy and efforts are placed is very very important but you know sometimes when I've come into some of the digitizations and, and change portfolios it's required stopping pieces of work so Sometimes change is about stopping things as well as driving new things and recreating that balanced vision for the organisation. 
And I think that not only goes organisationally, but in today's connected world, it has a great impact on society and role modelling and that side of things as well. So what you maybe start on a very small scale becomes quite exponential, actually, in terms of setting the pace, setting the rhythm and the importance of culture in all of these changes. Culture is often seen as a very soft thing, but it's actually at the heart of the highest performing organisations are very good and strong and constructive culture, definitely. Interesting what you said about the stopping things. I know a lot of people listening here will be leaders who want to drive change to support working parents, for example, more flexible working, more support for fathers, more flexibility all around um, and so on and so forth. But in your view, what do you think organisations need to stop doing, if anything, to be more supportive of working parents? It's a balance. I mean, it's partly the organisation and it's partly the individual responsibility. So I think it's really important to make sure there's a focus on strategic activity rather than activity alone. So I think it's important to stop and ask why and why now when things are happening. And either that question gets answered or you kind of go, why are we not answering that question just yet? So I think that teaches us all a lot. And, you know, the element of that, I do see lots of organisations being much more supportive of the family balance and extending opportunities to fathers as well as mothers in terms of that lifestyle balance and the recognition that a parent is a parent rather than an individual. So I think that cultural evolution is something that we need to work on both organisationally and societally and you know maybe stopping the unconscious stereotyping that can hold individuals and organisations back. I do think it's important to actively question that in a constructive way and recognise that roles can be fulfilled in different ways and so in those line management conversations be able to have that sort of family balance type conversation as well in a very supportive nature and I think that's a conversation that's happening more and more but I always believe that there's more opportunity to deepen that conversation in terms of really making a an impact for the people that work for us in organisations as well. I find it fascinating that many parents we work with tell us they like having supportive flexible policies or general good parent support policies but what they really desperately need is that culture where in the moment when a drama happens, let's say the nursery called nine o'clock, you have to go and pick your child up and your other half is across the country. If you have another half, you need every single line manager in that organization to lead with a yes. How can we support you type of situation? And that's like you say, that's the culture. That's not the policy. So where do you start? Do you think? to drive that change, to have that individual line manager in an office somewhere in Edinburgh doing the exact same thing as everybody else across the globe in that organisation? Yeah, it's one that takes time. Some organisations have it in place already, but it's about leading with values. And for me, when I lead in teams, I'm supportive of that and I'm actively vocally supportive of that so that people know what my values stand for and the, there's a whole movement around bringing the whole person to work so you know when you do employ someone you're employing a person you will have direct and indirect influence on what you know how people feel in their family relationships as well because how you feel at work always it's all interlinked so I think there's a, a deep respect for that and the organizations that are very good at driving outcomes rather than looking at where people are in specific moments of time I believe, give that freedom a lot more in kind of the teams, whether they're small teams or large functions. 
So that gives the local flexibility to say, I don't need to let you know that I'm in Nottingham today. Um, actually, I'm working from Paris and I'm still getting the same job done and really to you as an organization as long as I'm connected and doing my job it doesn't really matter at all but to me the fact that I can go to Paris fantastic I can visit both and and you still get the same outcome so I think it's a a little bit of that leading by values and demonstrating that and actively you know asking the questions when those values don't get followed and I think it's important to gently gently ask those questions and I'll say the other side of it is a bit of an abundance mindset in terms of things can get done in many different ways and for me personally if someone's in my team I don't necessarily ask them to deliver it in the same way that I would do as long as the outcome happens and we can have a good coaching conversation and things happen having that flexibility also empowers the individual massively and and I've always got so much more back from people that way as well and you know it respects individuality in a very 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 personal way as well and I'm sure all the listeners would really agree and it's a topic that comes up a lot that outcome-based management I think what still needs to be cracked is how we get the people who are not thinking about this all the time who have lots of other stuff on their plate, how we get them to feel safe to let go of the perceived control. Usually I'm always surrounded by people who are both men and women, but senior leaders who are super bought into the mission of Leaders Plus, who really agree with me on the big challenge, who understand that there's still a problem that hasn't been fixed. But I was recently at an event where I was in the same room with people who clearly did not have the same experience and who, who were really worried about people working from home, um, productivity implications and so on. And I think in a way that's no, it's a normal human thing to feel unsafe when you have to change. But how do you convince someone like that to feel okay? Yeah, it's, you know, it's okay to lead by outcomes and you can still achieve really high performance. A lot of it is experiential. So we're all sort of children of the environments that we've come from shall I say and I think you know indirectly or directly parents or influential figures in our life will influence you know what our values are a little bit I think there is an element of you have to experience it and therefore you know my personal belief is when you sit you know on the board or a major sort of leadership uh, position in an organization it's a huge position of privilege and therefore empowering that is really really important now I'm also realistic. I know the world is not ideal in, in 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 pockets and places as well, so that doesn't always happen. But I think for me, what it what it's definitely taught is the importance of long term character. I think everybody can have a tough time at various times, and it's important to acknowledge that because we're all human and and the human side of it. But it's also important with governments and with stakeholder relationships to break down areas where actually those values aren't held. And, you know, across industry and across global organisations and coalitions, it's really important to challenge those behaviours because my belief is the more senior someone is, it doesn't always correlate with the right behaviours it should do. But life is not always like that. So being able to encourage the stakeholder ecosystem to drive those right behaviours and reinforced role modeling is something that as society and a, a world we we mature in that side of thing is, is going to become much more important not only in the day-to-day but even in some of the ESG agendas and some of the more global 
challenges and things that organisations are faced with. So that side of influencing is a very, very different skill set, but it's important that we come together to support each other and recognise if if someone's in a different behaviour set that they're probably actually in personal pain. So recognising that in a very empathetic way and being able to have the coaching skills to help them through that, however that path may lead. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Very often we talk about we need to train line managers, we need to do this, that, the other. And obviously I completely agree with all the value-led approach, but what you're saying is you need to have the flip side, which is engaging when those values aren't shown. Who should do that? My personal views, it's the responsibility of each and every one of us. I worked for someone many years ago who said you, you can look out the window or you can look in the mirror. I think it's really important to keep looking in the mirror every day and making sure that you're role modeling as much as you can. And um, it's like none of us are perfect because we're all human. I think that's the beauty of the world as well. But, uh, you know, if everybody does that little bit or if they see something not quite right to be able to influence that and behaviors in the burden, that side of things, I think lots of small actions can happen very, very quickly. And I also believe, you know, post lockdown, it's very important that those things are re-emphasised because a lot of people have spent time a lot online or at home, all those sorts of things. And we all know from all the psychology surveys that social interaction, the day-to-day, all of that is really important. So in terms of creating the right balance in the world and the right conversations, that never happens with lots of big steps. It's always lots of little steps from people that really make that environmental shift and cultural shift at a level of nations and internationally, as well as locally in organisations. And and of course, the family is where it all starts, right? Very true. At the other level, one thing that a lot of the people, I feel like I'm just bringing you all the questions I've ever had from listeners, but bear with me. We have a lot of people who really want to drive change. I can think of a particular person who is an HR director and who really wants to drive change, but it's not easy to get her board, as in non-executive board, on board with those change initiatives and you know the different values and priorities you are on a board you teach change management you support organizations with change management how should you approach this my personal view is you, you have to be very clear on what your goals are and set them realistically my reflection on life is, is sometimes the direct route is not the answer and something that you're influencing you have to recognize where that outcome is so sometimes actually influencing indirectly or taking the indirect route is much quicker than the direct route although human nature and linear thinking and rationality normally kind of goes let's go straight straight through it's not always that way so and this is where I'm kind of a huge believer of of, you know the human psyche and human-based leadership and this is a little bit around you know why I wrote my book entrepreneurialism leadership and the humanizing business because if you look at society today there'll be a lot of focus on the rational side of things and our schooling system, you know, teaches maths and English and all of those good things. It's important to to bring in sporting and teams and all of those different psyches that sit together, emotional intelligence and creating that um, path for an individual to navigate once they've left the schooling system as well. So those things are important, not only at a schooling level, but in everyday life. What's experienced in a school in the playground is experienced in lots of different environments. It's just the the job titles change a little bit if rather than being a, a student we're always students of life but it's always the same sort of conversation and so being aware of your whole self the whole self of the people that you you're working with either in your peer group your industry or within the teams that you look after is very important because sometimes straight on right into something isn't the answer 
sometimes right the way round can not only change that particular outcome, but it can also have a wider societal impact as well. So being aware of how these areas work is is important in terms of maturity of leadership as well. Yeah. So can you give me an example just to illustrate what you mean by this indirect way? So you may be, I don't know, you may be trying to solve completing a particular project or programme and your goal may be that. And that's what you're trying to do. And organisationally, actually, you're fighting against lots of different currents and lots of different views on that, resourcing, all of those different things. But actually, if you step back and go, what's the right thing to do? It might not be to complete that programme. It might be actually the right organisational resources to go and accelerate another programme somewhere else, redefine that programme and deliver both results. So you stop pushing and you just redefine the outcomes to the right outcome for the situation. And that can often lead to a win-win rather than simply trying to fit a programme into something that you need to just redefine how it all works together. So that's that would be a very practical on the ground example. And let's talk about your book. What made you write it? What did you want to tell people that you don't think enough people know? I think for me, I've seen lots of different organisations, different shapes and styles. And I've seen lots of different maturity levels of organisations, depending off their startup venture or large multinational. And I've also seen entrepreneurship come and go in organisations as well. So I wanted to pull some of these things together. And I've also seen good and bad management and leadership styles. So I wanted to create it in a way where, you know, the book is a light read. What it does for you is as you absorb it and ask yourself the questions from the book, it will give you some answers that you will answer for yourself as you go through. But also I wanted to, to link it to something that's very important to me, which is around personal legacy. And I talk about a life of significance. Marshall Goldsmith in his book will talk about an own life, but I'm talking about what is a significant life and what is a significant life for me, for you, will be very personal and very different. But it's also creating the leadership team to think about what that is for each individual personally and also how that galvanises with where you are in an organisation or the next organisation you step into. So that side of thought process has been within me for a, a long time and in terms of the practical experiences that I've had. And I just felt it was time to write. That really resonates. I see, especially after the pandemic and especially with the working parents, people are much, much more careful to choose jobs and opportunities based on whether it fits with their personal significance or purpose. Um, but if someone listening thinks, oh, I would love to know how I want my life to contribute, but I don't, where would they start to find that purpose? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it back to my children. When my children were younger, I used to one of the things we watched was Kung Fu Panda. And in there is is kind of a whole thing. And he pulls out this scroll and you know he's looking for all the answers and, and this thing is like a mirror and, and the answer is really the answer is within. So nobody can give you your purpose. It's a process of working it out. And you know, there's practicalities to it as well. You know, we've all got to feed our families and all the rest of it. So there's, you know, a bit of balance with all of that. But what you're really passionate about, what I'm really passionate about will be very personal and how we want to manifest that in the world will be very personal, not only to ourselves, but also the situations and the the people that we're talking to and the place that we're in. So it is a children's programme in, in a nicest way, but actually some of the, the nicest things are said in the most simplest of ways. So, but having said that, you know, the answer is within, but you need to have that interaction with the world to work out what your personal answer is and, and what that means next 
for you. And I say that for all of us. Well, I don't think anybody, you know, no different to anybody else within that. But exploring that at the same time as knowing there's certain things you just have to keep going in the in the immediate term because it's important to your family, the commitments that you've made, and and so you have to make those active choices about when to when to continue, when not, when to stay, when to go, when to reshape, and and when to sort of have a bit of time to to explore things as well as time to go this is my next mission this is what I'm on so I think it's really important to be respectful of that and revisit that self-respect daily. Can I ask you how you yourself found the significance because you seem to be someone who's very driven by purpose. I revisit it I do revisit it daily in terms of what's important to me so and I don't always get it right either so you know you always know where you're spending time and where you're not. I think for me because I had a very quiet childhood relatively I kind of developed the ability to listen to my inner voice as well as all those external voices and I think that changes at different stages in life so you know there'll be life stages maybe with family or later on in life or younger life so some of those things are shaped with who's around you and and what's around you but I guess what I always learned is also you need to go and seek people out that really interest you in terms of what they've done why um, as well because you know I always go back to the if you ask lots of children in a class a lot of them will say I'd like to be a teacher at a certain age um, and why do they say that I mean it's a pretty impressive job if you are a teacher but they've had lots of teachers around them so it's part of the environment that you're you're exposed to as well so it's really important to go and try out those different things to see what that means for your purpose and I think that's a I don't think it's ever that it's something that gets fully solved. I think you kind of solve the next part of it and hopefully share a bit more of it with the world. And then you kind of rediscover the next bit and hopefully have some fun along the way. Yeah, I love the element of fun. I know quite a few of the listeners are trying to drive change for other working parents and they get a lot of purpose from that. And they want to make a difference so that their daughters and sons can be CEOs and have a baby without a blink of an eyelid. So, I'm interested from your reflections on being an entrepreneur, a change maker, on finding your purpose. What advice do you have for those who are trying to drive that change, have a lot of energy, but also are facing a lot of pushback and not necessarily the support of the CEO, let's say? Um, I, I think there's different levels of that. I think there's what you do for yourself personally in that situation and recognising what's personal self-support, where you need the support of friends and and your peer group, and where actually you're quite self-sufficient. So being aware of those personal boundaries, I I do believe is very important. I think the other side of it, if you're a parent or a coach or informal mentor to anyone, I think it's really important not to assume that they want to be anything. The best thing to do is to love them for who they are, if they're your children, and let them find their own way. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example of my daughter. I mean, she's an amazing girl in, uh, who's studying chemistry, biochemistry and, and commerce. And she's doing that because she wants to do that, not because mum's had a technology background and I really wanted to be a another female in STEM. That that was never the reason she became that. She became that under her own steam and she drives it every day because she's passionate about what she chose. But it was her choice, her interests her drive and so today I don't need to drive her to do anything because she's got her own engine and she's got her own way of navigating that you know with a 
few touch points and conversations to to sort of support but that's her that's not me saying because I am this you must be that um, and I think letting go of that means that everyone can be themselves and then you don't get into some of these situations where I do see you know younger generations go into something and say why did you become that it's because mum and dad wanted me to well that's never going to work is it really yeah if mum and dad want you to and you don't want to that's never going to work so try not to be in that situation if you can if you spot it try and um, just let it go yeah mm-hmm. absolutely we're coming towards the end of our podcast but before I ask the last question I would love for you to share how can people find out about you how can people find out about your book Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. So I do have my own websites. There's daxgrant.com, globaltransform.com. Anyone can click into me on LinkedIn if you'd like to make a connection. I am very friendly. And from there, it's, it's pretty straightforward to have a chat, really. I don't get a chance to speak to everybody that reaches out to me. So I hope some people will forgive me. But I do try and connect with many as many people as I possibly can. And other than that, I might, I might see you all out and about when I'm chatting to people anyway. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And do you want to just say the title of your book again, because in case people wanted to write it down? Yeah, so the, the book's called The Entrepreneurial Quotient. It's about societal leadership, entrepreneurial skill and humanising business. And it's available on Amazon. So it's globally available on Amazon. So it's really easy to connect with. Great. And all other good bookshops, of course. I want to ask you, so you do have a daughter and I'm interested, 20 years on, or 10 years on when if she decides to have children what if anything would be the top three things that you tell her about how to combine a senior role with bringing up children um if you want to do both go for both and then work out how you're going to do it you never know how you're going to feel as a mum or or as a dad until you kind of get into that so I made my choices once I had my daughter and I had my son and decided on how childcare would work and, and that side of things I I also believe you have to be an engine for yourself because there is a lot of positivity in the world, but there's also a lot of people that are quite negative. So it's really important to balance your own environment and keep that really healthy. And if you want to go and do something and it's an audacious goal, then break it down, do it anyway. And, you know, once you've achieved those things, people then come back to you and go, well, that's fantastic. Not all of them support you along the way. A lot of them do kind of I would say expect both <laughs> because um, human nature is human nature and don't be deterred by that I think the the main thing is throughout it all even though you you know you'll get focused on different things and you know different short-term goals and things like that just remain your loving self whether it's your family your respectful friendships and relationships being in that loving giving caring person you're never going to learn that anywhere but just be yourself that way that yeah don't ever trade that for anything thank you so much that's excellent advice and it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you for listening today if you enjoyed the podcast and you think a non-judgmental community of support would be really helpful to you then i would love to hear from you as an application to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. As you know properly, this is designed to help you to identify where you want your career to head and will give you lots of support and encouragement along the way. And then most importantly, to help you make it possible to get there practically whilst being present with your family in whatever way you want that to be. Previous fellows have said it made them take really courageous steps that they never thought possible and also that they made lifelong friends and connections. 
in our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the programme, and that's particularly impressive because most of them work part-time or flexibly. Plus, I think they've all got quite mavericky in a good way. They're all involved in some shape or form of driving vital change for working parents, be that mentoring other parents, be that changing policy in their organisations, whatever fits at that moment in their lives. It only takes about half a day a week. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that would be a lot. Half a day a month. So I think it's more than doable. It's been designed with parents in mind. You can find all the details on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash cross-sector fellowship. The application deadline for this upcoming cross-sector cohort is 7th of March. And also, if you want us to talk to your employer, to your organisation about offering this to their employees, i.e. you, then let me know and my colleague Joe or I can have a conversation with them. My email is verena at leadersplus.org.uk. On a completely unrelated note, I also feel passionate about gender equality in podcasting and I've recently learned that the top you know, 100 podcasts, etc., is extremely male-dominated, I think 90% male-dominated or something like that, depending on what stat you look at. And I thought that needs to change urgently. So if you want to help, and push forward female-led podcasts and first of all listen and share female-led podcasts and if you think this podcast is is good and useful then also do share that leave reviews and do all those things that increases the algorithms prominent so yeah for example a whatsapp or signal message to some friends with a link to the podcast is always very welcome and very helpful and hopefully it will help us smash this particular glass ceiling up in the podcast world. See you next week and thank you so much for your support.